Okay, Kuf Yud Ches, Samad Beis, about the middle of the new Mishnah. The basic principle is going to be over here. You can assume in general if you're dealing with somebody and buying from them that they're honest. If, however, they're in such a situation, maybe their profession leads them to believe that the type of thing you would be buying from them is going to be possibly stolen, then you have to be a little bit skeptical, and that's essentially the site of everything we're going to see till the end. So, Ein Leichin Min Harayim. If you have uh, shepherds who watch other people's sheep, you cannot purchase from them semer, wool, or halav milk, or gedim, or um, baby uh, kids, I guess. All of them, the suspicion is that they might have nicked a little bit or stolen a little bit from the person they're working for, and therefore you're basically buying stolen goods. And those people who watch uh, vegetation, you can't buy like pieces of uh, branches or vegetation. You can, yes, purchase from women. And again, that Rashi explains here that what's going on is the husbands wouldn't be so particular and they would let them sell these types of things. Uh, wool, Woolware in Yehuda and clay pishtan linen in the Galil and agalim uh, calves, baby cows in the Sharon region. They apparently had good calves. The Kulan Shamru Lahatzmin, any lady anywhere, no matter what you're buying for, if she says Lahatzmin, you know, let's just like keep it quiet, uh, hide it away, don't show anyone, then it's us, sir. It's basically a Raglaim Ladavar that it's, uh, she's doing something improper. The Loikin base of Eternagon However, chicken eggs and chickens you can basically buy anywhere. Tanarabanan. Gomorrah brings a price that goes for five lines and starts here. Ain loichimina royim. Loichizim, not goats, gedim, baby kids, velo gizin, wool shearings, velo tlushin, sheltzemer. Tlushin are, I guess, the clumps of wool that you could pull off. Aval yes loichin mehen, tefurin. You could buy already sewn garments, like processed garments, either they're rightfully theirs, or even if they stole it, they were clean it with a shinui. And that's going to be the, another use that it's important. Anything that's already processed, so from the time that they would have stolen it, we don't know if they did or they didn't, till now it changed. So even on the side that it was stolen, it was acquired to them by a shinui, and then they can sell it to you. If you would be allowed to purchase milk and cheese, and, uh, and I'll probably say it 10 more times The owners of the flocks Don't really care about it Because since they're so far out They're almost like They're mafkir The uh, byproducts of the, um, of the milk Or um, the other items And therefore you can assume That it's totally fine But Midbar If it's way out in the wilderness But not Be'yishuv And Yishuv The owners of the animals Want those products The Leichin Mehen You can also purchase from them This is an interesting halacha Dalar B'chamisha Tzayin Four or five sheep or four or five shearings. And the reason here is going to be because any good thief who's working for somebody else won't steal a significant amount of stuff. They'll take a little bit and maybe a little bit more. This is a significant enough amount that there's no way it's stolen because the rightful owner would recognize it. On the other hand, if it's a small amount where... You never know. Could have uh, nicked it, and now he's trying to sell it to you that you would not be allowed. Rabbi Yehudaimer, bias like chidmehen. If they are, I guess from the word bias, is how it's like domesticated animals. You could purchase from them. 
again, because usually the owner will know. It's, it's close. He'll be able to see how many animals are there. Midbarios, but the ones that are in the wilderness, ain't like mehen, because the standard scenario is that the owners are not as aware of how many there are and it's much easier for a uh, corrupt or uh, dishonest uh, shepherd to uh, take a few. The basic rule is If the owner realizes that it's gone Then you can purchase from them Because it's highly unlikely he would have stolen it But if the rightful owners wouldn't recognize Okay, we go back to the Brisa Amar Mar About a 7-8 word quote from the Brisa Which is very strange Is it 4 or is it 5? What's this 4 or 5? So Hashta, the Gemara asks, Yeshlemar Arba Zavnina, if you can buy four sheep, let's say, Chamisha mi buy it, you have to tell me five? In other words, it's clearly whatever they're telling you, four means four or more. Amrav Chista, Chista, two approaches, here's the first, I underline his name. Arba mitoich Chamisha. No, and this is like incredibly obvious. Let's say there were only five sheep there in the first place. You could purchase four of the five. Because there's no way that an owner is going to not realize that. 80% of his uh, sheep are gone. The Ikadami, alternatively, Amar of Chista, underline his name, this is the second approach. Arba me'eder katan v'chamesh me'eder gadol. Depends how big the flock is. I don't know what a big flock or a small flock is, but from a small flock, four is enough to be clearly, noticeably discernible. From a big flock, it's five. But we're saying Arba ochamisha. Right. So it depends on size flock. We're concerned like there's the standard small one, standard big one. Everyone understands four or five. How many people can you take in your car? Oh, I can take like, you know, four or seven. Because you got the four-door car and you got the minivan. So everyone understands the four or seven. So I guess it was a standard thing that people under, understood the size of the flocks. And the four or five would be, oh, four from a small one, five from a big one. Now we have a bit of a uh, stira. If I am a shady character and I approach you and I said, hey, psst, you want to buy three sheep? Are you allowed to or not? So we didn't have the example. We had four or five. That would be okay. We had two. Not okay. What about three? So, hagufakasha. Seems to be an intrinsic stira. Amris, on the one hand, the Mishnah said, here's a quote, four or five tzayin or four or five gizin. So, let's make a diuk. Four or five, yes, you can purchase from the guy. Aval shalosh lo. But three, that would not be allowed. Well, let's read further on in the Mishnah. Ema seifa. Here's a quote from the seifa. Not two sheep. Okay, let's make it to you. Yes, So bottom line, some somewhat shady character wants to sell you three sheep. Yes or no? Loikasha, it makes, there's no difficulty here because um, if they are healthy, the Balabayas is much more aware of them and even if there's three that are missing, he'll notice it. Whereas if they're a little bit weaker, he's not as aware of it, and three would not be missing. And again, I think all of these numbers are just principles to be applied in each situation, depending on what's the norm, what's the standard, what's the concern. Said the Bryser, Now this is an interesting question. We had in the Bryser, Rebbe Yehudi, who was the only Tana who piped up. And when we said four or five, you could buy from them, two, no. Then Rebuda said, well, if they are bisice, if they're like domesticated ones, then you can purchase. If they're the type of sheep that are way out, you cannot. What is Rebuda coming to qualify? The four or five you can yes buy, or the two that you cannot buy? 
the Gemara's question takes about six lines to develop, and it's a uh, it's like a, an A O Dilma B. So Ibayaluhu. When Rabbi Yehuda commented in the Brisa about six lines ago, is it Areshakai and he's going Lachumra? Now we speak out the two sides, colon. Aresha, I underline the word resha, call this A. Is it that Rabbi Yehuda is arguing on the resha? Ule chumra. And I dot underline the chumra. And here is the explanation. What did the resha say? Bit of a shady character, I can buy four or five. Hani mili, what Rabbi Yehuda would be saying, yeah, those are bisas. That's if they are domesticated sheep, meaning like the sheep that are local. Aval midbariyos, if they're the ones far out, I'm on a journey and I see some. Then Arachamishola, even four or five, no, because the rightful owner might not even recognize if four or five are gone. I know he checks them every uh, three months; he'd have no idea. In other words, it's much more of a concern, even for four or five, if it's way out. If you have properties and you have uh, three rental properties, one is next door to you, one is in Yerushalayim, um, and, and one is in Savannah, Georgia much more likely that in Savannah, Georgia, you're just not going to be aware of what's going on as opposed to the one right next door. So too, the sheep that are kept locally, the rightful owner will have much more of an a, a, a eye on them as opposed to the sheep that could be 20, 30, 40 miles away. And that's why you have to suspect the shepherd of, of playing more games if he's very far away from where the owner is. Oh, Dilma, or maybe Rabbi Yehuda's coming off the Seifa. And it will go like this, Ula Kula. I dot underlined Ula Kula. Da'amar. In the Bryce it said, You can't, let's say, two sheep you could never buy from him. Okay, Hani Mili, when can you not buy two sheep? That's when you're all the way out in the middle of the wilderness somewhere. Aval Baisais, if you're local and being offered by a shepherd to buy a couple sheep, because the owner's right there and he'll be able to easily see even if two are missing. That's the question. Basically, is Rabbi Huda coming the Chumrah or Lakula? Is he coming off the ratio or the Seifa? So, Tashma. We have a Bryce that's pretty clear. Desanya, the Bryce goes till the end of this Amud, and it's uh, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda, Imer, Loichin Baisais Mehen, you can purchase sheep that are like the domestic ones, the local ones, the Ein Loichin Mehen Midbaros, and you cannot purchase the ones that are from uh, being shepherded far out in the wilderness. And here's the main point for us Kama. Continues Rabbi Yehuda u'bechol malkaim. I squiggle underline bechol malkaim in all places. Seeming like no matter how far out in the wilderness night might be, you can yes by four or five. So it's pretty clear that the four or five hetter applies everywhere, because as infrequently as the rightful owner might come and check, he would still notice if four or five were missing. Mita amar bechol malkaim says the Gemara from the fact that we said you can have four or five Shmamina that it must be that Rabbi Yehuda is coming to argue that he's coming as a Kula on the Seifa which means the two that are local um, that he would not notice no no he would notice if it's local the same way if, if you had, you're renting out the deer next door to you you would definitely notice if they broke down a wall you, you would actually hear it whereas if somebody's renting a deer from you in Dallas or Far away, you'd have no idea what was going on. Same thing here with the animals. So what does he say? So Rabbi Yehuda would say, you can even purchase two animals from someone who's got the flock local. Mm-hmm. One I don't know about, but two, yeah. Okay, Veloi Mishemri Peiris. What do we say that uh, this is back in the Mishnah, that there were certain things... Uh, um, vegetable or fruit or produce watchers you cannot purchase uh, produce 
or uh, um, sticks from them. Um, here's a little story. Rav Zavid Shavishta Me'arisa. He uh, purchased Shavishta is like a bundle of uh, branches from his uh, sharecropper. Uh, Amalei Abaye. Interesting. The gear says it probably should be Rava. We, we rarely see Rava and Abaye. I don't know if we ever see them. I think one's first generation and one is fourth generation. But so said Abaye probably to Rava. Uh, Vahatsnan. Well, once how could how could you um, how could you buy those? From him, uh, the Mishnah says, "Velo mishomri peiros eitzim uperos." You can't buy the eitzim from him. Amarlei clarifies Rava to Abaye. No, Hani mili b'shomer. That's specifically a shomer. Delaysle begufa daramidi. He's just a hired worker, paid by the hour. He doesn't have any share of the land. As opposed to this fellow who was a sharecropper, the sharecropper of Al Aris to Isle Bigave, he has a share of the produce. He doesn't just get an hourly wage. He gets whether it's a third or a half of whatever is produced, and therefore Ema Mide Nafshei Kamazvin. If he's selling this stuff, is it a little bit of suspicion that he has some branches? No, he gets like half of the branches anyway. He gets half the branches, he gets half, half the payrolls, so you can purchase from him. Tanurabanan. Price goes for about three and a half lines. Shomrei Peiros, if you have uh, uh, produce watchers. Loichin Mehen, you can purchase them. Kashen Yoishvin. Again, it's all going to be under the principle that if it's pretty clear that they're not trying to hide anything, they're probably okay. So if they're sitting, Umaychrin, and selling. Vahasalan Lifnehem, and the basket of what they're selling is in front of them. Viturtani Lifnehem, and like they have a big balance scale over there, like a cash register, we'd say now. Vikulan Shamru. However, if they tell the potential purchaser Hatzmein, then Asr would be Asr because that's pretty suspicious. Kama, um, mi Pesach you can also purchase from them if they're right at the entranceway of the Gina. Like, there's, there's a, where do you go to buy the, the shady merchandise? The back alley, uh, right? Or the front. So if you're in the front selling it, it's fine. The equivalent of, you know, our nowadays back alley is the Hey, psst, buddy, want to buy some apples? Wouldn't be allowed. That's the end of that price. Itmar, Here's a great question. You never want to buy something stolen. However, if something's stolen, you certainly want it to be at the stage that it's stolen enough that it's at least legally yours. So the question is, the gazlan me'emas mutter liknaisei menu. There's a lot of shady characters out there. If you were not allowed to buy from a shady character, we, commerce really would stop because there's a lot of questionable characters out there. But there has to be a point in the process when he's legally acquired it, even though it's from Gezela, when then if you buy it from him, it's okay. Basically, when is it mutter to... Purchase from a Goslin. Now, again, if you know he's a Goslin, you probably shouldn't purchase from him. But we're talking about a stomp case. So, Rav, it's got to be that the majority of his net worth, majority of his stuff, the majority that he has is his. So, you can be Soymech on the Rav. Ushmuel says, no, Afilu, mute, Shalom. Even if it's a minority, and you can always say, you know, if you purchased one of his widgets, as long as there's a possibility that one of his widgets was not stolen, then it's okay. Ayurile Rav Yehuda, interesting enough, Rav Yehuda Paskin for Ada Daila, that's the fellow's name. I don't know if he was a, uh, a steward on the airlines, but he, he basically um, Paskins like um, Shmuel Halachalamaisa. So can you purchase from someone who is a Goslin? Yeah, as long as some of the stuff that he has is not stolen. Is it probably better to purchase someone who's not a Goslin? Yeah, it's probably better. How are you going to know? Yeah. Mamoin uh, of a Masra. This is very interesting. We, we basically know it's kind of a uh, 
something we don't necessarily publicize these days. You can take somebody who gives over to the Gentiles information about Jews, basically drop them in the bottom of a pit and see you later and drive off. Um, how about his assets, his money? What do we say? So Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda, two opinions, colon, chad, I squiggle under the chad. One of the two of them says, you can actively cause a loss to anything that he has. The other one says, no, 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 if you're going to actively, you can't do that. Maybe passively, but not actively. Now we're going to go over each opinion. That you could actually, like, you know, physically destroy or, or cause a loss to his stuff. I mean, you could basically drop him into a pit and leave him there to die. So you're going to say that his, uh, his car or, or his assets, you can't do that too? Like, of course you could. However, the mandamer that would be Asr La'avdoi, why? Interesting, not so much for him. But you never know. Maybe you'll have a kid who will, you know, become a Balchuva or something like that and end up being a Rosh Kailal or have some sort of disclose. Dilma, Havile Zara Ma'alia. Maybe you'll have an offspring or child, um, a descendant, Uksiv, and there's even a Pasuk for this. Like, uh, the, the, there is an idea that Yochin, whether the Pasuk is Rosh or not, but it, it's prepared by the wicked Vitzadik Yilbash. And the uh, righteous wears it, which is this concept of sometimes things that are given to the Russia end up in the hands of the uh, tzaddik. Rav Chista had a sharecropper to have a takil v'yohiv, takil v'shakil. So, I don't know if he was davening and shuckling back and forth. Takil v'yohiv, he would take and give to uh, Rav Chista. Takil v'shakil, and then he would take for himself. The way Rachi explains that is that he was like a yeka ad me'oi. Let's say it was their deal was 50-50, so he would like weigh it to the one one-hundredth of a gram and then give his uh, the owner of the land and give it to himself. It's a little bit difficult to understand, at least for me, but Salke, Rav Chista, Salke would be like removed him, bumped him up, but like bumped him out. Basically, uh, the problem was... Either he was too honest, or sometimes when someone goes overboard, it's clear that maybe they're trying to cover something else up. Or my other thought was possibly a lot of times there's different arrangements where depending on where you are in the process, you can pull out either side could pull out. So maybe because we're able to pull out before like other parts of the deal were done. But Karanafshe um, he referred Rav um, referred the following pasuk to, to like himself in this incident that Safan Litzadik Chel like hidden for the righteous is the, the wealth of the sinner again I, I don't know the backgrounds here I, I looked around a little bit it's, it, it seems to me that Rav Chista felt something uncomfortable I don't think Rav Chista was trying to rip the guy off it can't be, like we don't have stories about Rav Yashiv or um, uh, Rav Vajay Yosef or the Lubavitch Revi ripping someone off it's just highly unlikely that Gemara would bring that and highly unlikely it would even happen so it had to be I'm just going to assume that he was able to remove him from the position because of uh, something. That's about the least descriptive <laughs> shot I've given on anything of himself. Um, Pasuk says in Eoiv, Ki matikvachanav ki yivsa ki yeshel elokhanav shoy. So what is the hope of the chanav, of the, of, the, of, of the flatterer, of the liar? Ki yivsa when when he takes something illegally, when he steals, ki yeshel eloi for 
pushed away or shot away will the Lord be as Hashem is going to be pushing away something because of someone who stole so what's going on here same names we had up above Rav Huna and then a different name Rav Chista it seems like when somebody is stolen from that person is almost like would say killed or damaged or pushed away, whereas Khanamar that the puzzle is referring to, Nafshay Shal Ghazlan, that's the Nefesh of the one who did the stealing. So let's go over each approach. Mandam or Nafshay Shal Nigzal. But the Pasuk when it talks about some Nefesh being pushed away is the Nefesh of the Nigzal, Dirsiv, like the Pasuk says, Ki Archois Koboitsea Batsa as Nefesh Balav Yikah. The ways of anyone who takes something illegally as steals, basically if I steal, then nefesh ba'lav yikach. I'm, I'm, I'm not only stealing somebody's things, I'm stealing a little bit of that person. And, and that's the owner, and that's why we're referring to the nigzal. The nigzal has something stolen from him. Umandamar, the other mandamar who says, the way to understand the word in the pasuk, nafshay shel gazlan, maybe a little bit, at least for me, a little bit more straightforward or easier to understand, is similar to the pasuk that says, al tigzal dal, don't Steal from the poor, kidalhu, because he's uh, lowly and poor. The al tidache ani and don't like push or oppress the poor in the city and the gates. Ki Hashem the Lord will fight their fight. The kava is kaveem nafesh, and he will like steal or take back from those who steal from them. Bottom line, Hashem is going to take revenge or fight the fight of the poor against the gazlan. So it's either that the Pasuk is focusing on the fact that the Gazlan has stolen a little bit of the person he's stolen from, or that the Rabbanu Shalom will steal something from the Gazlan, take something from the Gazlan as a Mida Kenegad Mida. We ask now what each Mandamar does with the other Mandamar's Pasuk. V'idach, Nami Haksiv, it does say, Nefesh Balav Yikach. How can you say if there's a Pasuk that should Balav Yikach, that it sounds like we're taking the life of the owner of the item. Yeah. Answer, my balav, we're not talking about the rightful owner, we're talking about rather the balav the hashta, the one who currently owns it, in other words, the thief. So we usually think of who's the bailam of the thing, the rightful owner. Yeah, except if it was stolen, there's another bal. He might be the not rightful owner, but that's who it's referring to. And that's how you can say the whole thing is referring to the thief. The idah, well, what about the other one? Nami Aksiv, says, the kavas kaveyam nafesh. So the Gemara there says, no, matam kamar. The way to under, it's funny, we do that often to um, Bryce's and Mishnayas, the matam. It's, it, it's rare that we do it to a pasuk, but the way we're going to understand the pasuk, the pasuk is in a matam fashion. Matam, the kavas kaveyam. Why is it that we will have the. Um, stealing from those who stole from someone else, Mishum Dekavi Nefesh, because they stole from someone. In other words, each one is able to look at the other one's mucker and explain it according to their own opinion. Amar If anyone steals from someone else, even the smallest amount of value, which is along the lines of what we had said earlier, that if I steal something from you, true, it's not your life, but I'm taking something of yours, I'm taking something that Hashem had given to you Shinamar, like the Pasuk says in your Miau, Ki Archois Kolpoitsea Betza es Nefesh Balavikach. That's our uh, Pasuk, the, the way of all those who steal is taking a little bit of the of the of the spirituality of the person. 
Ve'oimer, there's another Pasuk. By the way, we're going to have four Sukkim right now. That's the first. <coughs> and the Gemara's going to ask the question we always usually want to ask, why do we need four Makaras for the same thing? But there's another Pasuk. It says, Ve'achal ketzircha ve'lachmecha yoichlu banecha uvnoisecha. So we'll be consuming uh, your uh, cut grain and your bread and we'll consume your sons and daughters. There's another passage that says, I hate this word, there's about a hundred times it appears in Hamas. Sometimes with a saf at the end, sometimes with a samach at the end, they either wrath or like stealing, but extortion. That they spilled the innocent blood, barred some of their land. In a fourth hadamim. This is when Shaul uh, wiped out what well, the Pasuk says, that they killed the Givainim. Okay, now, do you remember that story? Did he actually kill the Givainim? I think he wiped out Novira Kaihanim, but the Givainim used to supply them with water and with bread and with provisions. Now, if you sort of wipe out a city, the ones who are supplying the city are also going to have their Parnassa wiped out. Excuse me. Okay. So, you know, it's fine. At 11, we will pause. And we'll move somewhere else. Okay. We're doing the class. Okay. Great. Thank you. So the Gemara wants to know why do we need four psukim to be told that if I steal a Shavapruta from you, that it's as though I took your Nishama? So here we go. The Chitema, if we just had the first Pasuk. I would have thought like this, that you have the thief. The thief steals the soul of the one that they stole from. But it's not like he took his whole family. Tashma, the second Pasuk, was the Pasuk of Basar Banavu Benoisa, that even sons and daughters. So if, if a thief steals from Pliny, it's not only Pliny's affecting, it's affecting Pliny's kids. You might think that's only where he absolutely takes something that's not his and doesn't pay for it. But if he gives him some sort of compensation, he doesn't want to sell it, but it doesn't make a difference. He takes it but gives him compensation, maybe not. Tashma, the third pasuk, talks about Hamas. Hamas often is taking something against somebody else as well, giving them some sort of compensation, but they don't want to. And even further, where you actively do it. Aval gramaloi, Tashma, the Pasuk by Shaul and the Novir Kohanim, where it was only a grama of what happened. Now, if you look at the story, he didn't have anything to do with the Givoinim. They used to provide the food services for them. Which is, this, is, this is about the most unbelievable mucker. I think we start out by saying, if you're Geisel Shava Pruta, which is nothing, and it has unbelievable ramifications, all it means is you have to be incredibly careful not to take something that's not ours, and realize that it's not only the, the direct uh, uh, situation that's happening then, but it's every consequence that could come, both in time and in, in, in generations. So, uh, better stay away from Gezel. You could purchase from the ladies. You can purchase from ladies. Now, again, most of the time, I'm going to qualify this as clear. 
the ladies did not go out and work like the men did in those days. They, they, the men had certain uh, financial oversights so of the household income was probably different than today. But in, in most times and places, the ladies were subservient financially to the men. So you could purchase from them. But not And it was just that the reality was that the Kalim, even if they had taken the stuff improperly, since they had made them, there was a Shinuiz, that would be okay as opposed to the Yain Shemin Sons. The low, meaning it's usur to purchase anything from Avadim, from a uh, slave, or under age, because again, they don't really own anything. It's either their master or their parents who own everything. Uh, you could um, sell, a woman can sell for, I don't know what the equivalent of four or five dinner is, but whatever that amount was, so that she would be able to have, again, that would be an amount that the husband wouldn't be particular about, so she could make a, I don't know, a tichel. The kulan sha'am as a general rule, we'll see it again, probably another two times. If they say, just be quiet about this purchase, then you got to be suspicious and you can't buy from them. How about uh, charity collectors? What can they take from the ladies if the man of the household is not around? A small thing of Aloy Davar Maruba, which again, the hot pot of the husband is probably doesn't care about a small thing, but he's more particular with a large thing. The Badadin are the um, people who work in the base Habad, uh, the oil workers. Mm-hmm. Right? That if you take like a significant amount, you could purchase from them. But not which is the idea that we saw before that a little bit the owner might not notice if it's gone, but if it's a big amount, clearly the owner would notice, so you can assume it's not stolen or uh, taken improperly. You can purchase from ladies Zaysim Bemuat Begalil Ha'alyain. That would be allowed, even though we said that you're not purchasing little amounts. In the upper galley, you can. It's a little bit embarrassing. You know, there's the Schwartzes. Mrs. Schwartz is out there selling the things, like, right at the front door. It's a little bit embarrassing. So he gives a little bit to his wife and says, listen, like, go somewhere else where they won't know who you are and sell it. And that's why you would, yes, be allowed to purchase a little bit in the, uh, of olives in the upper Galilee from that situation. Ravina... Uh, Ravina, he was a uh, charity collector and he went to Bey Mechuzah. Asun Nashi to Bey Mechuzah and the lady, I don't know, he went to uh, Ramat Aviv Gimel or he went to Lawrence or he went to Bel Air and he went to collect and the ladies came out. Ramu Kame Kavle Veshiri and they basically offered him, I don't know, golden chains and, and bracelets. Kabul Minai, when he accepted it from them. Well, those things are very valuable. Amarle, Rabba Taisva, said back to Ravina, Vatanya, one second, Ravina, how could you have taken those things? The Brysis says, like small things, Amarle, and this is such a beautiful Gemara to end this piece, it's all relative. In certain societies, there's, there's things that are totally unacceptable, in other places totally acceptable. Or, I, I remember my grandfather used to take a piece of smoked salmon or lox. Think about... I don't know, a, a band-aid sized piece of lox and put on a whole bagel. 
and I would take like three or four big sheets and put it on. He came from a different time. He appreciated every little bit, and he was he couldn't if you if you left anything on your plate, you're probably familiar. With it. Like, you couldn't leave anything here. How could you finish a meal and not eat all of the food? The children in Bangladesh. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's amazing. But same thing over here says back Ravina. It's a principle that's it's very important in all of life. That was a davar muad for them. There's whatever is a davar muad, whether it's right or wrong, but you have to realize different societies and different cultures have a davar muad being something else. So for them, their gold changed. You know, they had their their platinum and diamond that they kept. It was a little thing. Okay, let's. Uh... Okay, says the Mishnah, muchin. That's uh, usually things that we would or they would stuff um, pillows or mattresses or. Um, cushions with, so um, does the person care about the muchin? And uh, let's see, bring it into the dry cleaner, or the launderer. So muchin shehakaivis moitzi harehe elu shaloi. The question is going to be, in all of these different professions, is that little bit there, is it something that the owner of the item is particular on, then you have to give it back to him, if not the uh, the worker who was working on it can keep it. So the muchin the stuffing material that the launderer uh, takes out, which is a little bit, as he's laundering, he can keep. Vehasayrek um, or shehatsayrek motzi, the sayrek, which is there would be a process of combing or tussling the uh, material. Apparently, that was a more significant amount, and that would be all that's being equal assumed to be the balabais. Uh, period. Kaives, a, uh, a launderer, noitel gimel chutin vehein shaloi. There's a lot of metzias over here. I, I can't say I understand all of it exactly, but when you would have a garment, I don't know if this is the first time it was laundered or not, there would be three strings uh, that would be his, that would be assumed to be taken off. A lot of times, you know, let's say you buy a new suit and they have like the pockets sewn or they'll have a little bit of extra material. Um, yes, for me, came, but more... Like you, know, you see your is tied on the side. Right. It wouldn't be tied, so the threads would be coming out. So that could be that. Uh, yeah, the, the edge. Yeah, which is one, one of the things that Rashi explains. We'll see in the Gemara is exactly what you're saying. When they originally make it, they have a, a little bit at, at a little bit at the edge. Yes, or me came, but to take more than that, or if more than that came off, that belongs to the owner of the item. Uh, another thing, sometimes they'll use as a border. A temporary border, a different color than what the garment is. So, imhaya shachor al If it was a white material and there was a, a black around it, noiteles hakoil. You take all of it, behein shaloi, and, and that's assumed. I guess the stam understanding is that would be the uh, workers. Hachayet, a tailor, shashir es hachut. If he left the string in what he was working on, kedelit for boy. It's the amount that you'd be able to sew with, whatever a significant amount of little string is. U matlis, or a little piece of material. She gimel gimel, three by three. Rash says that's bows, fingers. Um, so let's say two or three inches by two or three inches of material. Those would be the balabayas. I know for sure the uh, material you can use as a patch on another garment. Masha Kharash might see, the uh, carpenter, that which he takes off with the matzad. Um, or ma'atzad is some sort of uh, scraper or sandpaper type of smoother item that he can keep but the wood that removes with the kosho which are larger pieces of wood maybe the first one maybe we'd call wood shavings 
the koshel will call like wood chips, which are much more significant. Those belong to the balabayas. If, however, the carpenter is working in the uh, client's house, this to be even this sawdust. I guess all these things had a use. It's just a question of whether the person wanted or not. So he's in his own house and he can, he can use it. Um, then it all belongs to the balabayas. Tanrabana. Umar has a brace that goes to the fourth line on Ahmed Bey's. Starts here. Loikhin. You can buy stuffing material from the laundry because that stuff you can assume was his. The launderer takes the two upper strings. You cannot. The way of the uh, garment workers was to put, Rashi says, these types of um, loops or stitches into the uh, garments, and three was how many would be put in, but not more. And I guess when, the, when you, nowadays it's probably different, but when you would weave a piece of material, it wouldn't always be even, so you would want to stretch it out and get it to be more, um, more even or more evenly distributed. Those three is what you would put, but not... Not more. Oh, Miss Ryan, because they would they would cut the different parts that were a little bit out of uh, out of sync, that were not uh, parallel and perpendicular. Okay. okay, so it's a little piece of material that would be left over when processing a garment. All I know is that an undershirt, some a size medium, and not a size large. That's that's <laughs> an extent of. Below Yisrael kabeged le shesyoi el la arvay shesy and arvay the two directions. Apparently, if you're sorry, in one direction, it's. Um, overly wasteful and that's why you can't do it Umashvehu, as far as the cutting off the the edges la'arkoi that's for the um, length of aloy la'rachvoi not for the width v'imbala hashvoisei ad tefach rashai you can't cut off like you know 13 uh, inches of it but if it's I don't know 2 or 3 inches you can then I, I, I apologize for my lack of clarity in these exact uh, metzias here, but the bottom line, things that are normal and acceptable are fine. Things that are not acceptable are not fine. Amar Mar. So we had said up above, Shnei Chutin, two uh, strings. That's what we said on the bottom line. It said two strings. The problem is the Mishnah, it was talking about the same case, it said, Shalosh, three. So what's the acceptable amount? Loikash, it depends how thick the strings are. Two is Balimi, when they're thicker strings. And Ha, when it said three in the Mishnah, is Bikatini when they're uh, thinner strings. The Brisa had said, Lo You can't do, I don't even remember which way is Shesi or which way is Arvai. It doesn't make a difference. It says you can um, only do it Vatanya, uh, But we have a Brisa that says, The other way, you can only do it Kasha. It depends what material is being used for. If it's Beglima, if you're using it to make a now, Rashi says like a four 
so a talus. This is basically just as long as it is wide. Then the side that you want to cut from is the side that is going to be least noticeable. Whereas habe sarbala, sarbala is almost the way Rashi explains it is is kind of like either a tie or a scarf where it's very very long and it's only at the ends. That's why. Um, you'll find, let's say, like a scarf will have tassels at the end, but not along the whole length of it. And, and therefore, there's a difference of where you would be able to take the material from. The chuven. No more than three of these loops. Now, when you make a loop, three of them, how do you count three? It, when you make a stitch, uh, you take the string, and you have, let's say, a needle. You go in, and then you go out. Is that considered two because it's an in and an out or in and out is one in and out two and out three so the, the question is when we said three boy revere is that I'm two to bring the stitch in and then to take it back to you is chad that's one you can do that three times oh dilma I'm two that's one vaasuye that's two and then you can only do one more stitch and that's how much we we're talking about I don't exactly understand the mitzvahs but either way it's a teku um not resolved. Said the Braisu, Same thing over here, But we have a Braisu that says it's the opposite. It depends if you're using it for a glima or a hemuni. And Rashi says a glima is the same thing we had that was the. like a garment, a regular piece of. Uh, like a talus type material. And the hemuni is a, usually a belt. Right? And a belt would be the same thing, like a scarf, where there's the long length of it, which is not really seen. It's only the two ends that, that would be seen. Tanarabanan. The bracelet that goes for three lines starts here. Ein from the, uh, the comer, the tufter. You cannot purchase from him. Muchin. Why? Because the muchin that he takes from the material, is not really his. And if he's selling it, you have to be concerned that he's selling it really belongs to someone else. You never guess what? In the place where the practice is that it is his, Leichen, you could purchase from him. In all places, Leichen you would be allowed to purchase a car, Malay Muchen, a cushion filled with this material, the Keses Malaya Muchen. Now, you have to have a lot of Muchen to fill a cushion or a mattress, but you couldn't even buy the raw material from him. How can you buy the finished product? My time, says the Gemara. And again, it's about three principles that just keep repeating themselves here. Kaninu Bishinui. We don't know if he stole it or not, but even if he did steal it, the fact that he turned it into something else, a mattress or a cushion, means, well, he was coined with a Shinui, and either way, you're either buying something that's totally kosher v'yasher, or it's not, but it's fine for him to have stolen it to you, because it was a Shinui. with another brisa goes for two and a half lines. Ein loichin mi gardi, a weaver, you cannot purchase from him. Lo irin, velo nirin, velo funkelin. I'm not sure what funkelin are. Velo shiore pekiyos. I'll give you what Rashi says these things are. The irin is, it's, it's normal for a weaver to like leave little bits of uh, wool on the, uh, the whoop or the wharf or the material that he's using and he really should go back to the owner. And the nirin, I, I can't tell what that is, that's an old French word for that. And Funkling, I wish I knew what those were, but Rashi says they're something that's made from the like little bulbs or little maybe like uh, 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 chunks of material that would be at, at the end. All these things should belong to the rightful owner. Avalaykin, <laughs> man, uh, you could purchase from them a begged menumar, 
That's interesting. A, uh, it sounds like the coat of many colors of a Yosef. Like it's a, a manure means spotted, but it's, it's a piece of, it's a, a, a garment made from different pieces of material. It's like the type of thing that would be walking down the runway in uh, some fashion show in Paris because it was uh, either very avant-garde or um, even if it was stolen from different people, which it seems pretty likely that it was in this case. But again, it was the shinui that was kainet. Arivashesi, taviva arag. You can also purchase um, from him those things, uh, something that had just the arav done and also the shesi or something that was just spun and also woven. So the Gemara says once that, that doesn't make sense. Those are different steps in the process of making it. Hashta, tavi shakli. If you can have something that's at the tavi, which has already had the Arav done, arog baya. Like, if you can buy something that's in the beginning process of it, then do you have to tell me you can buy it when it's later in the process? So my arig, the Gemara says, no, this is a unique type of arig. This is actually tiki. And uh, Rashi says tiki is that you actually do without the arig which is a type of chain where it's just uh, connected in a very, um, we'll say, unprofessional type way, but it had not actually been woven into a garment. Tanur <coughs> Banan, if another uh, two-and-a-half-line So a tzava is a uh, painter, somebody who dies, uh, well, we all die at by 120, but with a, uh, he colors things. You could not purchase from him low osos, the low dugmois, below Tlushin Shel Semer. So, a os is, when you have a, uh, uh, let's say you are the baguette owner and you want, it's, it's regular color, you want to be purple, so you'll bring him a little piece of that baguette. Or Dugmos is where he'll bring you a little piece of, you give him your material and he'll color it for you. Or Tlushin Shel Semer are that you would, you would pull off from that which had been um, dyed. Bottom line is, all those things are not assumed to be his. Aval, you could purchase from them Beget Savua, a already colored garment, Tavi Begadim, woven material or fully finished garments. Asks the Gemara, Hasha Tavi Shako, Begadim Mibaya, if you can buy like raw material, you should not be able to buy the finished material. That certainly is Adashinui done. My Begadim. So the Gemara answers similar to the way it did about four lines ago. The Begadim here is not the typical Beget made from material, but rather Be Nimti. Nimti is. That's an actually one of the few old French words that I know, felt. And even till now, I know felt is not made by weaving anything, but it's just this material that's with pressure smushed down, and therefore you can actually have begotten made out of felt that never were woven because the material you use it from is not woven. Tanarabanan, leather. If you give your raw leather hides, Hanoisin Oirois Laabdan, to the tanner, Ha Kitsuin Vahatalushin. The kitsun would be the pieces that are cut off, and the solution would be, and we're not used to this, but uh, hide basically from an animal. So it often would be hairs or like pieces of wool still stuck to it. Those belong to the balabayas. The ola umeshatef b'mayim. Rashi has a slightly different gears of semraha ola minashatef shamayim. The pieces of wool after it's been washed through whatever process it's washed, those pieces are elushalo belong to the worker. Mishnah said, If the border apparently was dark, so then the, all that material could be kept by the worker. Amar Abihuda. Katsra Shmei. I guess a launderer in those days was referred to as a Katsra. The Katsra Shakilei. Literally, Katsra is the thing that takes a little bit away from it, makes it a little bit smaller. He gets to keep. Amar Abihuda. Hakol Oilin Leminyan Tcheles. 
I think this is a tzitzis thing, but we know that when you put the tzitzis, the strings in the garment, they have to be at least a certain distance from the edge. Let's say you have a new garment and that edge includes the, the few strings of border. Do you measure where you put the hole, including those or not including those? He says that even those, the border will be included. So to get to your tefach of it, just as a tefach with the border, that's good enough. Whereas Yitzchak Bri, which is interesting, Rabbi Yehuda says that his son Yitzchak Kapit Alayhu, he would be very particular on that. I guess he wouldn't include that because you never know. You take it to the laundry, they could remove it, and then you could actually have like 97% of the shear you need once that border is taken off. He said if he leaves a string, the amount that you need to sew, how much is that? So I don't know how long a needle was in those days. Let's call it about two inches a needle. So male machat and chutz machat. It has to be at least the length of one needle and more than that. Okay, how much more? Ibayaluhu. Is it male machat? And chutz machat means ke machat. So if a machat is two inches, you would have at least two inches of thread plus kusamacha would be kamalamacha means another two inches. So if you have four inches, which is the length of a needle, plus what's outside of the needle, that's the significant amount that has to be given back. Odilma, or no, maybe when you say male machat and kusamacha, kusamacha means just a little bit. So it'd be like 2.1 inches would be enough. So which way is it? Well, Tashma, come in here, the following Brysa de Sanya. Brysa goes for about four and a half lines and starts here. If you have the tailor who left the string, for if it's less than the amount that you need to sew something else with, or a matlish, a piece of material that he cut off, that's less than three by three fingers, if the owner of this material is having the tailor work on this particular, then he keeps them. If the Balabais is not particular, which again follows straight along the lines of the principles we've seen up until now. Why are we bringing this price in? Because we wanted to know how much string is a significant amount of string. Is it if the needle is two inches, two inches plus another two inches, like four, or two inches plus a little bit, like 2.1 inches? Then we have a use for it. What would you do with less? Then let's say four inches, let's say three inches. Oh, you could use that for sikhsa. What is sikhsa? Rashi says it's the same thing that in the top line was chuvin, where these little loops that you would put at the end of a newly woven material when you were going to stretch it out. Ela i amris. If you want to say that malay machat and chutz machat means just a mashu, it's not two inches plus two inches, like four inches, it's like two plus a little, 2.1 inches. Pachis mechanamai like one of the world, you, you, there's no use. I don't know what they would use things for in those days, but there was no use for a piece of string that short. Ella, can we conclude something? Yes, we can. Shmamina, male machat machat means the additional amount kemale machat. Basically, for string, it has to be whatever the length of the needle is. Double that, shmamina. Less than that, the tailor can keep. Masha harash onto the carpenters. Ura minhi, but we have another snake source that says not like that. We had said in the Mishnah that when you have a carpenter, the things that come out, the little, let's say, shavings that come out from the wood, when he's using a matzad, which is some sort of uh, plain or smoother outer, he gets to keep. 
what does it say in this price? Masha Harsh Moitzi Bimatsad. Well, the same thing apparently. The shavings, or the pieces of wood that come off when it's uh, sawed, Balabayas. Balabayas keeps those. We want to focus on the matzad. But the things that come out, it's almost like the sawdust when you drill through a piece of wood, or mitachas rehitni, or when you smooth it out. The part that's uh, scraped with the saw, you can keep them. Okay, bottom line. Our Mishnah said this stuff from the Matzad. In the Mishnah, the carpenter can keep. We're saying over here that the stuff in the Matzad belongs to the Balabais. Which way is it? Well, Amarava, both are true. It's just in different places they refer to it as different terms. In the place of the author of our Mishnah, there's two types of tools used to do this smoothing out. Le Rabasi, the larger one is called a kashil ulezut resi karila matzad. So the matzad makes teeny pieces, and that's why in the Mishnah you can the worker can keep them. Baasra de Tanabra, however, in the place of the author of the Bryce that we just saw, Khadhu de Ika, there's only one, the Karilo Matzad, and it makes bigger pieces, and that's why it would belong to the Balabais. The Imhaya Isa Eitzel, etc., Tanra Bonan. The price goes for about a line and a half and starts here. Mesatate uh, Avanim, wood, uh, excuse me, stone chiselers. Um, the customers want uh, not stones that look like it was a rock, but stones that look like it's a block. In other words, they have to chisel off and make it very, uh, very um, um, square, square everything off. What, what's about the little pieces of stone that they chisel off? Who, who gets that? So the mesate avanim ein bahemishum gezel. The little chisels that come off, all the stuff that's on the, the floor of his workshop, are his. Mefaske ilanois, mefaske gefanim, menakfe higi, menakshe zroim, and odre yerakois. Those are all examples of things that grow, and when there's too many of them, it's not good. So if you have trees and it's got too many branches, you have to prune the trees. Or if you have vines and there's too many vines, you prune the vines. Or menakfe higi, I guess the thorn bushes. All of these are examples where there's too much overgrowth and it won't grow as well, so somebody is hired to cut every third one or every fourth one or basically to thin it out. Menashe Yisrael is the same thing if things are planted too close to each other. They won't grow well so he pulls every other one out or every fifth one out and the Odre Yerokos in all those cases what happens with the stuff that was removed? Well, Bisman Shabal if the owner is particular and he wants them Yeshem Gezel if the worker took them it would be considered stealing. If the owner of the stuff doesn't care about them, then the worker can keep them. Amar Rav Yehuda. So this would be uh, in the uh, in the Gemara. The price is finished. When you're dealing with hops or green grain, usually the um, owner doesn't care, and therefore there's no issue of gezel. However, you'll never guess what. In a place where they are particular, Amar Ravina. Interesting way to end. But in old Mata Mechasia, which was a uh, large Jewish population in those days, the city of Mechasia was an Asra to Kaptihu. They were particular in that place. Hadrulach Agaiz of Basra, Slikalach, Maseches Bavakam.